If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the one and only Game Dev Unchained podcast, the weekly and never late podcast about video game development and game development lifestyle, news, stories, tips, advice, and other strange things. This week, I decided I was going to do the podcast alone, but I did bring a special guest anyway. You might know his name, Mr. Brandon Pham. Yeah, I can't shake me off, Larry. This is Brandon Pham <laughs> joining you this week with our special guest, Adam Orth. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having hey, me. Of course, man. Glad to have you, buddy. How's everything? Pretty good. So Adam is joining us from Adrift. But before we get into our topic, do you mind kind of going over your resume or a little bit about your background to our yeah. listeners out there? Tell the people why you're famous. Why you're awesome, yeah. Uh, I'm, I don't really think I'm famous, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I kind of started uh, game development and QA um, as a tester. And my first real design job was, uh, at a studio called Sony Santa Monica, um, where I worked the first, my first game design job was working on, uh, Twisted Metal Black, um, at Sony Santa Monica. And, and I, I stayed there a little while, um, after that game. And, uh, I moved on to, Electronic Arts, Los Angeles, where uh, I worked on the Medal of Honor series for quite a few games, um, and then uh, and then I actually went back to Sony Santa Monica, and then I was a creative director at Lucas Arts, um, and then where else was I? Then I went to work at PopCap Games, and then Microsoft, and then now my own studio. Very nice. That's quite a resume and a step ladder up into your own studio. Yeah. Um, it took a while. Only, how, uh, how long only, was that from? Uh, well, I kind of, I kind of left out that I, I, uh, I mean, I've spent a couple of years doing QA. So right. it's about 16 years. Hmm. Those are stripes. <laughs> yeah, you, you got me beat, man. <laughs> I'm super old. <laughs> so was it because of your venture into making your own studio? Um, was it just obviously you've always been thinking about it or the opportunity just came or was it just something, you know, you just want to try something new or all of the uh, above? I mean, I've always wanted to have my own studio. I think everyone probably mostly has some type of anyone in game development probably has that kind of that fantasy or that idea. Um, and I was just never able to kind of realize it. I had kind of half-heartedly tried a couple times, but never really ventured out. And it wasn't until after, um, the uh, Microsoft Twitter thing that 
I really had the opportunity to do it because um, I didn't really have another choice at the time. Um, but I had a really good idea and I had a great, great concept for the studio and I had the right people. And, you know, I got a little bit of, a little bit of money from my family to, as a seed to uh, make a prototype, me and my partner, Omar, uh, we hired an artist and we spent the last half of, so not the last half, the last couple months of, of 2013 making a prototype for Adrift uh, in Unity uh, for for PC and for the DK2, I think it was at that point, mm-hmm. DK2. And um, our goal was to spend three months making this thing, and, and our goal was to make a, uh, a totally finished prototype, like full art, full audio, full effects, animations, music, everything, the whole thing. So as, as completely finished as we could. How long did that uh, take? Or was it on time when you scheduled it? Or uh... yeah, we we scheduled it. So our goal was to take it to this this uh, this conference in Las Vegas called the Dice Conference, and we had. I remember we finished it at two a.m. on a Saturday night, and we had to be showing it in Las Vegas on Monday morning, mm. and. And that was it. We had no money after that. It was like literally rolling the dice at dice uh, in Vegas. Yeah, and we had we had um, we had like ten, maybe ten meetings spread across a week to meet with publishers and investors and stuff. And by lunchtime on Monday, we had shown it three or four times. And it, it was pretty cool because we got to be, we had the opportunity to, to be choosy with our publisher because we had a lot of interest. Right. And um, we chose 505 Games because they were a small um, digital publisher. And, you know, we, we wanted, you know, there were certain things we wanted out of a publishing deal. Like we, you know, we wanted to, to own and control the IP forever, right? We want to give that away and wanted, you know, complete creative control. And, you know, there's a, a few other things, but um, we chose them because um, they really got the game. And I liked some of the bets that they were taking with some, some smaller, uh, smaller games. So it, it was. Uh, it seemed like a great fit, and we uh, we went into production on a drift uh, on April first, twenty fourteen, and we had originally planned on releasing it in the fall of twenty fifteen, but we had an opportunity to be um, an Oculus Rift launch title, which you know, was something that we were really excited about. We, we, we'd been working with Oculus pretty much since we were making the prototype. 
not in any kind of real official capacity, but they've always been, they're always really supportive of us and always getting us new prototypes uh, in terms of the headsets. And it was cool because at that time, like when we were, when we were trying to get a deal, um, nobody had them really. And we, uh, it was pretty cool. We set up the pitch in a, in a way where it was, you know, people would come in and, and I would pitch them the game using like power PowerPoint. And, uh, and then my partner Omar would play the demo. It's about, about a 10 minute demo. Um, and people were really receptive of it. Just kind of watching us play it. And, and when it was over, they'd be like, that was amazing. Like, I want to play it. Can I play it? And then we'd yeah, that's say, a good sign. And we, and we'd hand them the controller, but then we'd pull out the Oculus Rift from behind the, the big TV and mm. let them play it in VR. And most people they're playing trying VR for the first time. Oh man. And it was just kind of mind blowing for, for a lot of people. Was there a an added in wow factor when they realized that they were gonna get to try the experience? Like they were already impressed by, you know, the, the flat screen yeah. version, but you pulled the Oculus Rift out, people were just like, No way. <laughs> You hear that audience? That's like that's a new trick that everyone should start doing. Is like blow them away with the flat screen first, and then pull out the Oculus. That's a that's a nice tip, man. Play the game on a CRTV. Yeah. <laughs> with antenna. No, well, bring it out. Yeah. yeah. Well played, Adam. I like that. Well, like this is this is what's great. You, you, I, there's a few things that you went over that I definitely want to dive into, okay. but like. Thinking back around when Adrift was announced, there was like a great amount of hype. Like, um, I remember it was like around the time when the the movie Gravity was out. It was around that time. It felt like, and like VR was relatively still new too. And like even to this day, I feel like Adrift are one is one of the it's really one of the only titles that is like a full-fledged game that has a VR experience. Most of them, for me, has felt more like a tech demo. Has that been mostly yeah, I mean, conscious marketing, or was it just like coincidence that you guys just ended up being in that position? Well, uh, so, I mean, so like... I'm trying to have interest in the game, and... You know, when I was when I was coming up with the game, I had just gone through that Microsoft stuff, and I, I didn't, I wasn't really using the internet, <laughs> um, and I, uh, I just, I didn't know about gravity, and I, I was researching one day, and I, I, I discovered gravity, and I was so bummed out because, you know, immediately I'm like, well. There's a lot of similarities here, but then you know, I and I texted some of my game dev friends, and they're like, "Well, your idea is is different than Gravity. It's very different, and you know, you shouldn't be afraid of that." And I, it took me a little, but I eventually came around to that, and and then I finally, you know, a bunch of months later, I think Gravity came out in November of 2015 I think or 2014 sorry and you know I saw it and it it wasn't really anything like similar and 
it's really easy for people to say, oh, it's like, it's gravity of the game. And I thought that would be annoying to me, but eventually I just embraced it because it's like, that's a really huge compliment. Mm -hmm. um, it's a huge compliment to be have your your game compared to a you know an Oscar winning film. Yeah, a, a multi million dollar production, big budget yeah. production, and here you are with your team of four. Like, uh, we did this, <laughs> and ours is interactive, by the way. Yeah, like I, I brought it up because I thought it was a like a, a good happy accident. Like it, it was nice. Like there was the movie, everybody was hype about it because you know Gravity had its own following because it was just something different and cool, and yeah. it, it actually featured only two people on screen or something like that. And then your game came out around the same time, and it was like, oh great! Now, it, so it kind of went along with the hype train of everything. And I think if any gamer sees like connection, it's like, oh, all right, I like space and I like playing space. So I don't think people will like, oh, I watch Gravity, therefore I won't play space games i don't think anyone thinks like that at all i think it was a huge positive coincidence if anything for your yeah, marketing the, right you know like like it's a, it's a space disaster experience like that's not original <laughs> right it's just like how do you how do you do it your own way and you know it my main character is a woman I, mm -hmm. I only have a 50-50 shot there, right? It's just yeah. like, you know, I, I, again, I wasn't too worried about it, and and uh, and I, I just kind of embraced it and was like, it's fine. Um, the other question you asked about um, the Oculus, like, um, can you remind me what the question was? Yeah, uh, when I think of a drift, I associate a lot with uh, the Oculus being announced yeah, right, right. around that time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's you know, VR is a, is a, is a tricky, tricky thing because, like, still ninety five percent of the world has never even seen a headset in person, much less put one on their faces, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, we, we do pride ourselves in, in making a full game, a full narrative experience with a drift, like, you know, it takes like four or five hours, you know, to complete it. If you, you know, go and do everything. And, um, and, and some, some VR stuff is a tech demo and that's okay. Like it's totally fine do that because everyone who's making VR is finding their way, right? It's all new. And, but it's frustrating in the same hand because, um, so many people have called a drift, a tech demo. Mm -hmm. And, um, that does get under my skin a little bit because, you know, it's a full game experience and it was, you know, and we worked really hard to, to make that and to see somebody cat, you know, it's just when somebody casually throws out three years of your life mm -hmm. and say, Oh, it's just a tech. Demo. It's like, 
Well, okay. Where's, say, where's your tech demo? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's so easy to say that, but it, it's just like, that's never the right approach. I know. But so. you do think it, but it's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, everyone's a critic, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's... um. You know, I, I was a little surprised at the at the reception of the game because it's it there doesn't seem to be any middle ground with it. It's either you love it or you like really hate it. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who don't really care for the game and most of the, most of their complaints are it's short and repetitive. Mm-hmm. That's like the the most common thing that I hear. And you know, I I think I mean, we may have painted ourselves in a corner because we, we really took great effort to have a triple A presentation in terms yeah. of, you know, every, how everything looks and how it plays and feels and, and all that. But I think what a lot of, a lot of people who play it, who criticize the repetitive nature are missing is that, I mean, they're, they're approaching this as like, you know, we kind How of approach this. Well, not not only that, but like, you know, the main objectives that you have in a drift are they're the same thing. It's the same thing. You got to get. It's basically collect the key, right? Yeah. Which is like time honored video game tradition. But it's really not about the objectives. It's about the journey. Like mm-hmm. the journey to complete each of those objectives is totally different every time, mm-hmm. and and. I kind of look at it as like more like a dungeon or a level rather than, you know, a large sprawling thing in terms of like the objective and stuff like that. Because, you know, like doing, making objectives and things like that in a video game are really hard to do. It's not just, oh yeah, like throw this in there and throw that in there. It's just, it's, you know, I think the, I think the lack of understanding that most consumers have around the um, process of developing video games, there's a big, you know, there's a big gulf of, of, you know, not understanding in there, but, but that's okay too, because that's, that's not what they're paying for. Right. You pay for something, you're paying for what comes in the box or, or what you download. So, you know, it's, it's the, it's an age old, um, thing for game developers. Here's, but, you know, oh, go ahead. I was going to say it, it, it also doesn't really matter because like, I'm super proud of it and I love, it. I think it's great. And at the end of the day, I got to be able to feel good about it. And I do. And a lot of people love Adrift. I mean, I just got interviewed today for a guy who's writing a book about VR and he's writing a whole chapter about Adrift. And this oh, book nice. is going to, but this book is going to be used at, at all the major universities that have VR programs as part of their curriculum. So it's like, you know, and then you get on the, just before I was on the, the, uh, this call with you guys, I, somehow found myself on Metacritic 
And I had never actually looked at our PlayStation Metacritic, and it's horrible. I mean, some guy gave us a 30. A 30. That's, I hate that. It's Metacritic. Man. I hate that. It's like, right? this is the worst piece of software that has ever existed, ever. Just saw the yeah. trailer. It is. <laughs> That's where, like, literally, yeah. there's no control. So like you said, it's hard, it's hard to take that seriously because it's like, all right, well, okay, you didn't like it. That's cool. I nope. Not everyone has to like it, right? It's just not realistic to think that. But it's like, you know, when you're when you're given a game of thirty, I mean, that's like some of the worst games of all time get thirties on Metacritic. But but I guess that's a thirty overall instead of a a thirty, you know, out of just a bunch. But you know, it, it it it's a. I just think it's kind of a little a little bit of a misunderstood game. I mean, we made a game, a hybrid VR non VR game that's out on PlayStation, Steam, Oculus, and the HTC Vive, and all of those. Each of those platforms is hugely different, and yeah. it was really tough doing that. Like. It was hard. I'll say this. I don't I understand you saying that you feel like it was a game that was misunderstood, but I personally commend you for exploring what is possible in narrative storytelling and interactivity, right? I definitely think that your game leans heavily on those two things. And maybe people just are used to the old like put in your quarter, kill monsters until my thing dies, right? Like having an immediate yeah. challenge and immediate goal. They're not necessarily excited about the idea of well maybe you know maybe finding my way through this experience is the goal like inherently i have this feeling of i want to survive right like i'm going to continue and find air canisters but i don't necessarily know exactly how this place gets so wrecked maybe i should find that out maybe i should you know experience what it's like to look around in 360 degree vr in this space environment and appreciate it you know so as far as what you made, like, I'm really happy that you're pushing the platform because now, you know, you getting the success that you have, hopefully more developers will be willing to take these types of risks and say, wow, maybe we too can, you know, tell this amazing experience or story through this interactive narrative and uh, not necessarily be, uh-oh, random encounter. What sword are you going to okay. use? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, first of all, thank you. That's super cool of you to say. I really appreciate that. Um, those are the things that were important to us making the game. So uh, it's always awesome when someone recognizes that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I when we were making it, you know, my goal was, all right, I want to get all the people who play like Madden to see how beautiful this thing is and just take a night off and, and, and come do this thing. And then maybe... You know, the idea was it was supposed to be a little subversive to like, you know, bring you in with how it looks and then kind of turn you upside down, no pun intended, with, <laughs> with a story that you probably wouldn't normally get in a AAA game. Yeah. But maybe that was maybe that was a misguided thing. I don't know, but. Um, you know, you can look back and say, oh, we shouldn't have done this or we should have done that. But, um, you know, the everything converged to make the thing that we put out. And, and 
you know, like I said, we're, we're really proud of it. And, and, you know, we tried purposely really hard to do something different, but I do agree with you. I think that, uh, I think a lot of people were, were, you know, a lot of people wanted these kind of bigger action movie moments and, and fights and, or whatever. I mean, I, I, I remember when we were trying, when we were choosing a publisher, a very large publisher was interested in the game and, you know, I, I, I was super, super clear and careful about, you know, this is a, a nonviolent, like narrative driven exploration game. And I just remember getting like two pages of notes back saying, we want to do this, but this is what we would change. And it was just everything. Guns and enemies and just and I just I just passed that day on that day. Also I can paraphrase it right now. Yeah. So let's say it's not in space. It's in <laughs> Afghanistan. And <laughs> no, I mean, they, they, it, it was, it was definitely like keep it in space, but like we need a monster and yeah. Like turn know, into well, doom or something. Yeah. Like, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with this game. Like doom is literally my game of the year. So hmm. I'm not, I'm not complaining about that, but it's just, I, we were never going to make that. So yeah, it wasn't your original intention. So like, I, this is something yeah. I really want to like dive into. We uh, just going all the way back. You were talking about how you and your team was it a team of three or four? By the way, I'm not sure. Uh, originally, originally it was just three of us, and then um, when we when we got our publishing deal and started actual development on the game, uh, it went up to six. Nice. So we have basically a core team of like eight making the game, and then um, and then a, a bunch of contractors that we hired for random random things and various lengths of time uh, to augment where you know stuff we couldn't like we didn't really have an audio guy and we didn't have an animator and things like that. So so um, drift was was made basically by you know, eight guys and about 10 or 15 contractors out on the side here and there. So, yeah. so like, yeah, so you guys did this awesome tech demo, like three of you started out doing that. Uh, yeah. And you were aiming for the showing off at DICE. And I'm assuming yeah. that you guys were, were hoping that you guys would get recognition and maybe a publisher, or did you guys go in thinking like, we got a yeah, publisher? We went there with the, with the, with the goal to get a deal, right. but our expectation was because, you know, I know how, how those things work. My expectation was we'd probably get a bunch of, Hey, this is really cool. Let's see where we are in six months. And that would have been the end of it right there because we didn't, we had, would have had to go get jobs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any money. We spent, we spent the, the seed money. So, it was literally do or die there. It, uh, it worked out in our favor. So I want to take it back a little bit and let's talk about a time before there was a game demo, before there was money on the table from publishers. Let's talk about the friends and family. 
Yeah. What's it like going around and collecting money from friends and family, promising them that you're going to make a game and it's going to be successful, you know, and what's the pressure, you know, like your grandma pulls out a cookie jar. She's like, okay, baby, here you go. You know, here's my bingo money. Like it's, yeah. there's gotta be a it lot of pressure. It wasn't like that, but, um, uh, I, thankfully I didn't have to go around and, and, and do that. I, uh, my my uncle helped me out and he he um his name is William well Gates. <laughs> he's pretty well known. He's pretty well known. And gotcha. he has a couple of businesses and, and but the reason I didn't have to ask is because um I had gone I had just gone through the that horrible experience. Um Microsoft and Twitter. Obviously, I don't have. To, I mean, obviously, you guys know about that, so I'm not to rehash that. But, um, you know, I, I just been through that, and I didn't know what to do with my life at all. And I went to go speak at um, this, this kind of. The, the school called Full Sail, and they oh. teach game development. And someone had asked me to come speak there, and and they had asked me before all this stuff went down, and and for some reason, they didn't cancel it. <laughs> and uh, like a lot of other things for me that got canceled after that. Um, and I went to Florida to go speak at it, and I I had a really good time there, and and um, my my relatives. Uh, live in Florida also so I went down to visit and you know they had just kind of been following along and, and they just felt really bad about that whole thing like a lot of people did I think um, yeah. and they, they were just like so you know what are you what are you going to do now and I didn't know and I, I didn't I hadn't it hadn't occurred to me that you know maybe I can ask for help. I didn't, mm -hmm. I actually didn't ask for help. And I was, I just told them the game I wanted to make and they thought it was a great idea and they helped me out. And, um, and it was awesome because it was a, it was a good sum of money, like a good sum of money and the kind of money where like, you know, I thought I was going to be paying it back 25 bucks a month for the rest of my life. <laughs> but um, it was awesome because I got to pay it back less than five months after I borrowed it in full plus interest. Damn. Ooh. Interest. Damn. I, I, they didn't, I did that on my yeah, own. They didn't ask money, me. man. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't they didn't ask for that i just did that because i was grateful for yeah because yeah. that that enabled everything really and um and it was a really it was a really special cool thing and it felt really great to pay it back and be kind of square with that so that's how that happened well speaking back 
to money and publishers, right? You you obviously had like a very you and your team had like a core concept that you want to stick to that you didn't want to like give up, obviously with people trying to pitch you doom for your game. Uh, were there any worser deals that they were trying to make, or was it just generally people? No, I mean we we had a pretty a pretty positive turnout for a drift. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all, all the major most most of the major publishers were interested in a lot of smaller ones and even some just kind of regular investors also so it was really cool and and uh unexpected mm-hmm. and scary nobody was like uh there weren't any like shady things or anything like that it was just it was really kind of just you know, take, taking the bet, right? Because we, we told everyone up front, like, we're going to go heavy for VR. Like, we're going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was just like, what? Like, I don't know about this. And But the, 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 the demo was so powerful that we couldn't really deny it. And it was cool because... No one had ever seen anything like that at that time. Even now, you, you speak then, but or maybe, now or, we're we're only starting to see people like finally turning the corner. Like, all right, I think VR might be turning into something where I can take a chance at it. Like you did mm-hmm. it when nobody. <laughs> we'll see tonight. Barely heard of it's it. Yeah. VR comes out tonight. Yeah. Right. People are getting their PSVRs tonight. That's. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, I don't think that's gonna, um, you know, tip the scales either way. I think, you know, it helps. It's just, it's, well, yeah, but this is like VR, AR, MR, whatever it's gonna be called. Um, it's, it's not going away. It's, it's, it's literally gonna be the next computing platform. I mean, I spend at least an hour or two a day just working on my computer, but in a VR headset, it's like amazing. I mean, this technology is going to allow, going to like frequently I have to go fly somewhere and stay in a hotel to go to a one hour meeting mm-hmm. and be away for my family and spend whatever, two, three grand or whatever on a trip. And Pretty soon, you're not going to have to do that if you don't want to, right? It's pretty cool. And this, the way that you can tell stories with this new technology, it's amazing. Like, you know, as game developers, I, I tell this story or I use this example often. So sorry if you've heard it before, but it, it's a good example. So, like, you know, for decades... As developers and players, we know how to put a door in a level and make it so you can open it by when you walk up and you press a button. And as a gamer, we know what it's like to push a stick to move up to something and have an icon come up and press a button and it opens and you push your character through the camera through it. Like, everyone knows how to do that. But when you do that in VR, you have to approach that thing which is now actually a problem because 
you have you can do it in so many different ways and it's different because now your your actual body in the physical world is doing something and it needs to correspond with what's going on in the in the digital world and, and that's like a huge thing and it like to be honest it was getting boring making video games mm. it was i mean it's still super fun and still super great and blah, blah blah but we needed vr we needed it to kind of shake things up a bit i mean if you look out at some of the games that are popular in vr right now and again we're just we're speaking about games here but, but there's a billion other things that vr is great for but if you look at some of the more popular games they're all really different weird unique things that couldn't exist without the tech so you know I mean, it was so crazy when I first put on DK1 and saw our our primitive prototype for the first time. It just worked. And I knew we had something special. And it was simple, just it was two little gyms, one just kind of proving the kind of floaty movement, mm -hmm. and then another with a bunch of physics objects to simulate stuff floating in zero gravity. And I'll just never forget the first time I put that headset on and saw it. It was incredible. And, and you know, in our demo, we have this moment where we, we, we put you in this destroyed space station. You can kind of like see through cracks and broken pieces, but you can't really go out. And you fly through this like plant tube, this like kind of um, greenhouse tube, and you open this door and it opens and you, you push out into this destroyed field of destroyed debris with the earth below you. And 100% of the people who played our demo, 100% said, holy shit, right at that moment. And... And I mean, we probably showed that demo to like 200 people mm -hmm. and it was, it was really effective and it's because of the tech, right? It's like, we could have made that experience. We did make that experience without the headset, but once you put it on the, the sense of place and the presence of, of how you were in the place and how you moved around, it was just never seen anything like it before yeah. and uh, it, was, it was really effective. yeah like, so like for me and i think larry can agree like i grew up in the ps1 ps2 era and uh from the transition from nintendo to the playstation right was a huge transition for video games and for developers and ever since becoming a developer uh, i felt like the Patam was passed. Like I, I, I took that and tried to evolve the 3D experience. But I feel yeah. for the very first time the VR is our thing. Like this is us. This is this happened during our generation of developers, and this is what we're gonna define for the next five to ten years or whatever. So I, I take a lot of pride that it was within our generation that we came up with this. 
and as a developer i do agree like i'm about not as long as 16 years but like nine to ten years in there and uh it wasn't until i tried the vr headset where i saw and felt like something i've never felt before playing any game so i yes. personally am very uh, excited about everything uh what uh like do you what do you have any vr gear do you have anything not yet <laughs> i'm saving up for those oh my god uh but we we've we have it on our studio we have pretty much all of them and i've tried yeah. the oculus i'm a big fan of the vive out of all of them right now um i, I do like being able to walk around and, and touch everything with my remotes uh <laughs> but uh, yeah like out of all of them I, i'm loving the vibe because mostly because it's the most interactive right now i know the oculus has the touch coming out and the cameras but uh yeah i've tried pretty much all the tech demos and i've i've watched everything that i could watch out of it and it, it just surprises me every time like it's just it's completely you can take a mundane thing of walking through a regular environment and it's like the greatest thing in the world that I've played for the last five years. It's just so transformative. Yeah, it's really, it's really special. One of the things that I'm looking forward to is just, I keep telling parents this, and I might've mentioned this on the podcast before, but 360 video is something that I'm excited about with a VR headset, not so much so with a monitor on YouTube, right? Um, yeah. When you think about buying a Frozen DVD for your kid and you're like, you watch the flat screen version of Frozen, the story is exactly the same every single time. The experience, I should say, right? But imagine if Pixar decided to build a 3D world around their movie where every time you're in a new scene, you can look left and see something different than if you were looking straight or looking right or looking up or down, you know? So that's kind of... They're, one, they're oh, go totally doing that. Exactly. That's that's when that's it's happening. really gonna like take off, big time. Yeah, yeah. Just... I think, I think I've seen like, you know, like I get about ten to fifteen emails a week from people who are opening VR arcades and want want to drift. Oh wow! In their thing. VR arcades. All right. Can you do you mind kind of because no, no. I have I mean it's like VR arcades. So well think about it. Okay. Like think about what think about the space it takes to really do a Vive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And think about the cost and then think about you know people's apartments, right? People have that space. And I think everyone wants to try VR, but I don't think everyone wants to buy VR. Oh. Right. And I think that, I mean, even me, like, I mean, I have a studio, but I don't have any VR equipment at my house. Mm -hmm. Right. I just don't, I don't have the, the room or the space and I just don't want the wires everywhere and blah, blah, blah. So like, yeah, I mean, if I could pay 10 bucks to go in somewhere and play a bunch of things, mm -hmm. I'd probably do that. Yeah, it sounds like the next logical steps, especially I feel like Arcade is slowly making a comeback. 
in a way. Like, there's, like, of course, Dave and Buster's in round one. But are you saying, like, you being on the front lines of this, is it like a, you see VR arcades being adopted by these type of companies, like Dave and Buster's or something big like that that can really popularize VR? Well, first of all, first of all VR arcades are exploding in mm. China. I mean, I just today had a meeting with someone who has a partnership with a Chinese firm for with tens of millions of dollars invested in opening like a chain of like 20 or 30 of these things. Damn. It's crazy. So, you know, but it's also totally unknown. Like, how do you do it? And how do you get paid for it? And how do you make sure everything's right? And so everyone's just kind of like fumbling around in the dark right now trying to figure it out. Yeah. But if you think about, about excuse me, sorry. If you think about, um, you know, the example I just said with, with you know, a small apartment, big, big room needed five, like a place like China, that makes a ton of sense. Right. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in it. I, I, uh, you know, we're, we've been toying around with making a custom, like five or 10 minute adrift experience for these types of places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I think it's pretty likely we'll end up doing it. Oh, very nice. Let me know when you need QA testers on that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, definitely by the time you're done with that, we will have VR in our the Game Dev Unchained podcast disposal. <laughs> All right. That's cool. Like the one, I will the say one this, though. Actually, I want to jump in. So what I like about VR arcades is right now it makes a lot of sense. But when I think even one generation, maybe two generations ahead, right, I'm hoping for like the Gear VR style thing where my unit is powered it has the graphics processing, it has the hard drive, like this is my VR unit entirely encased on my headset. So when I move yeah. in the real world, it you know what I mean? Like we gotta ditch the wires and we gotta ditch the need for a computer to yeah, do anything for. Oculus announced that they, you know, they showed a prototype of a, and no wire. a, wireless, a wireless VR prototype. That's what I'm talking about. Mark Zuckerberg strikes again. You know, man. They have too much money riding into this. I'm pretty excited about all the stuff that Oculus just announced. I, I really like their platform and, and their hardware and I really and the people. I really it's like it. It's nine them. o'clock. Oops, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I guess it's fine. <laughs> Thank you, computer. <laughs> yeah. I really like like uh, like the Oculus. Um, it's it's my favorite one. I mean I have them all and I love them all, but I mm. Definitely, I think I prefer the Oculus. Who do you think in the grand scheme, uh, and now take the bias, a personal bias out, but who do you think in the grand scheme is going to be the most successful VR platform based on what you see today? Apple. Ooh. Apple. Damn. Where is he coming out? <laughs> I was not expecting that one. Is Apple doing something? <laughs> I mean... They must be right. They, yeah, but I think they're probably going to bet on. They're 
probably betting on AR rather yeah. than VR. Mm. So you saw it the same yeah. thing with your iPhones? Or you got another AR thing? Yeah. I mean, look, like, here's the thing about VR that is kind of confusing for everyone. VR is awesome, and we don't – nobody needs it yet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It's not like it's something that is essential to your day, but your iPhone is – and there's, you know, arguably more iPhones. I, I don't actually know if this is true or not, but I think most people who have a smartphone have an iPhone. Although, I, again, I don't know if that's actually true. I might be off completely there. It's but, iPhone or Samsung. <laughs> so 50-50. Man, you can't take your Samsungs on the airplane, though. You'll be on the no-fly list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, like, you know, I, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that Apple's working on something. I think they are, but um, they're taking notice at least. Yeah. I just think like, you know, I mean, Facebook obviously has a huge advantage over everyone. Yeah. But it's VR is not going to be adopted on a mass level until it's available on something that most people have and it's it's not going to be a game that breaks vr wide open it's going to be something like an instagram that you know that is social and it's expressive and artistic and it you know you can share your life somehow like like you know and that's why facebook you know, it was so smart to buy Oculus, I think, mm-hmm. because, you know, in a couple of years, we're not going to be wearing these big, bulky headsets, right? Eventually, we're, we're wearing just gonna... a pair of Oakleys or something. Contact yeah, lenses. something like contact lenses. That'd be crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, uh, but that's kind of everything. So why it's fun and exciting right now. It's just like, it feels very it feels like the like the VR development community is so open and and everyone is just sharing stuff and nobody's like you know just being really restrictive about anything and and it just feels fresh and vibrant compared to the traditional game industry and, and where it was like like I said earlier I just I think it needed we needed VR to kind of break things up and and uh, and you know have some new experiences that we couldn't have before. Yeah, like I definitely feel like the biggest influences for the game industry, at least for the last five to six years or eight years, is ever since the iPhone came out, or like outside influences mostly. Like the Oculus, sure, it was made by a gamer, but it wasn't until Facebook where they made VR official, like, hey, this is something everyone needs to take a look at. It's A lot of it has been, like, outside influences, and we were in a bad spot, I felt like, before the iPhone. Like, I felt like there was a lot, there were a lot of companies closing left and right because the practices was just grueling, uh, churning a lot of game developers off. And uh, it really did take someone from the outside looking in to improve our, our 
a way of life. Like I feel like there's a lot more choices now for developers to take outside of their, um, you know, their main job. Like there's indie, there's VR. Uh, there's so much more to it now than just jumping from studio to studio. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can go right now for however much, right? Buy an Oculus Rift if you have the PC for it and you get Unreal Engine full ride for free. They just announced this last week. Like there's no, they don't even collect any royalties until you, you make your first 5 million bucks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, think about that. That's no, like, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's why we're laughing. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Right. That's incredible. That's so you, you have no incentive. If you have the skills or even the ideas and the gusto to find the people who can help you, you have no excuse. You really don't. It, I mean, between, you know, unity and vibe and, and, uh, and unreal and the Oculus and, and even the gear VR, like, and now Google, it's, there's, there's just, there's so many free tools available to your disposal. And even if they didn't, like, you can literally call up Valve and say, oh, I'm a developer, you know, I need, I need some hardware and they'll send it to you. Like, mm -hmm. There's a page, you know, Valve and Oculus both have pages on their sites for, I need hardware. I want to make something and you'll probably get it. You know, it's really about evangelizing VR. It's like, uh oh, we're losing you. It's been really cool. It's been really refreshing. One sec. You got it. We lost you the last 30 seconds if you uh, don't mind. Yeah, we lost you right after evangelizing hardware. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you know, it's it's just kind of all about like evangelizing VR through through their hardware, and everyone everyone wants VR to do well. And and you see, you know, it's been refreshing seeing Sony and uh, and Valve and Oculus all playing nice together to make sure that 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 VR is here to stay. It's just, it's been really cool and refreshing. Yeah. I don't know. What's that saying? The, all, when water rises, all, all boats rise. Yeah. Yeah. All boats rise. I mean, they, yeah. they see the platform. If anyone benefits, everyone benefits. So they're just making sure there's enough, uh, to buy their, buy their games. If they come out. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Cause if you look at, for example, again, if you look at Oculus and steam, and Sony, they're all pretty different. They all do their own kind of unique thing, and and it's just it's just cool that you know, 2016 like VR VR was really born for real. Yeah, this has been a year for VR for sure. Yeah. Um, 
it's tough though. It's tough making a living making VR games. It's not easy. Yeah. Well, st- speak of not being easy, right? And I, I kind of want to finish with this last question here, okay. which is mostly looking back at everything. Like, what were the biggest challenges in, um, you know, just take away generally if you were to do it again? Like, these would be the steps that you would take yourself if you knew what was going on. You mean like in making a drift? Just anything, really. Just this whole experience going indie. Uh, yeah, whole experience going indie. Um, I have to be careful what I say here. <laughs> um, it's not going to be a very sexy answer. It's all good. We like sexy. <laughs> it's really, um, it's really difficult running a studio because you know I I I felt it feel like I knew a lot about the game industry and enough about business to make go at it and I knew so very little about the business part and um, it takes up so much of your time that I mean, and you know it's different for everyone but like you know, I have, I have eight employees yeah. and everyone's got families and it's a constant struggle to make sure that that's, that that stuff keeps going. And, um, you know, we just, we learned, we learned a lot about game development too. And all of my guys were all guys who've been doing it for you know, a bunch of years and we've made, like, you know, worked at places like Infinity Ward and Blizzard and Sony and Microsoft and blah, blah, like all these big places. And you kind of have to just start over and, and you know, you definitely take your licks. But mm-hmm. uh, I think the thing, the thing that I would, I don't know if I would do anything much different other than just probably try to educate myself more about things that were boring. I didn't care about like, like you really have to understand how to take care of your taxes, Mm -hmm. right? That can get really, really dangerous, really fast. Um, If someone had told me about 8,000 different types of insurance I needed, I probably wouldn't wouldn't have gone and done this because it was so hard. But like, look, th- this is different than if it's just two guys, you know, yeah, in a living room, right in their in their apartment or whatever. But um, I don't know if I don't know if I change anything. Just you know, just you have to go into these things with with your eyes wide open and like realistic expectations because when you're when you're working on your own it's your own studio your own independent thing like that just never stops the only time it stops is when you're sleeping Mm -hmm. when you can do that and um and sometimes it, it stops that sleeping interrupts it in the middle and you wake up like 
oh my god we have to cut that tomorrow or oh my god i need to pay the health insurance or whatever so um depending on the level at which you do it it's it's there are a bunch of different unique challenges that have nothing to do with making video games mm-hmm. and those things are really i expected them but they were just like i said they're a hundred times harder than i ever expected they would be and um i wasn't totally prepared for that and i, I learned a lot i learned a lot um, about how to run a business the right way and how to run the business the totally wrong way and you know we made mistakes for sure we made you know we made a lot of mistakes making a drift also like you know we did not pick an easy game to make for our first game at all we picked like one of the hardest things you can do and it was challenging we definitely like built a good part of a drift and then deleted it and started over from nothing like at least three times Uh. so um yeah it's it's like uh again it's not thing but um i'm just trying to paint a realistic picture so that when I get to the next part, when I say, oh my God, you have to do it. It's so fucking amazing having the freedom to go do it and, and, you know, live your dream and make the thing you really want to make. There's nothing better than that. And, um, but you just gotta remember that there's a whole other side to it. That is its own gnarly monster, but like, When you get to, when you make something, you finish it and it's yours, it's just such a crazy good feeling that um, it's completely addictive. Like I see why, you know, I understand my friends who have owned studios for years. I understand them a lot better now having gone through it myself. And, um, you know, it's hard. Like. You know, I, I don't know if my studio will be alive in a year, but I hope it will. I'm doing everything I can to make sure that happens. Um, but, you know, we're working on new things, and we're about halfway through a new game, so um, it seems to be going okay right now. Well, definitely utilize your network of new friends here at Game Dev Unchained. So if there's ever anything we can do to, you know, promote or shout out for you, especially since it has been an hour, we've been holding down this podcast with lots of great information about developing for VR, about your company, about your process and the woes of starting your own company. How about we give you a little bit of that marketing and promotion time right now? So as a special thank you for being part of this podcast, Brandon and I are going to be quiet for a couple of minutes and let you just shout out, promote, or raise awareness for anything that you're interested in right now. The floor is yours. Oh, wow. Um, Well, first, uh, thanks a lot for having me on. This was a really fun conversation. Um, I have to admit, when my notification came up for this, I was like, oh, man. So I've done a, I've done a couple of these today already, and I'm 
I'm pretty tired, but um, this was a really like kind of unexpectedly fun, different, unique podcast. You guys are are really fun to talk to. Um, uh, I don't really have anything to plug other than Adrift right now, which is available on the Oculus Rift, the HTC Vive, PlayStation 4, and Steam. Uh, um, I am playing a I do want to give a special shout out to my guys at three one zero. These guys are the, like the best of the best. And so, so thankful and grateful that, that we get to work together. You know, we've all worked together on, on games. Before. We all made a bunch of metal of honor games together. And, you know, a drift was a certain thing in my head and, made that a reality and and they put their own mark on it and it came out to be you know it's not mine it's ours right so it's it's a very very cool thing um so i want to say you know thanks to those guys and um and all our families who put up with us uh making this crazy space game and I don't know, I don't really have anything else to plug other than, like, um, please make sure that you register to vote. There's only four weeks left <laughs> before it's time to vote. And I'm not going to presume to pick any sides or anything here right now, but if you aren't satisfied with and you live in the United States with how things are going, then the only way you can help that is by voting. And it's super important that that people vote, especially this year. Um, and then um, a couple games I'm playing right now that I just wanted to mention. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to get uh, an early copy of Modern Warfare Remastered, and it's incredible. All right. It's absolutely, absolutely mind-blowing. Um, Shout out to Leah. And this, yeah, <laughs> there's this other cool game called The Last Train. Um, it's a little indie game about... Well, I don't want to ruin it, but it's pretty cheap on, on PSN, so people should pick that up. And um, I'm really enjoying the Hitman game that's out right now. Um, that's been a lot of fun for me. I haven't had a lot of time to play games recently, but those are the ones I'm playing that I'm kind of enjoying. And also, I'm, I'm basically always playing Hearthstone. So Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't really have much to plug, but I, if, if you have an opportunity, haven't any of those games and you have the opportunity to, I mean, the Modern Warfare Remaster is like, I've never, I know I've played that game so many times, I know that game inside out and it's like brand new again. It's so good. And, uh, 
I can't give enough props to all the developers who worked on that thing because it's it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, I don't really have anything to plug. I will soon, but it's not time for that yet. Well, you're more than welcome to come back when you do. Um, it'd be a pleasure to come back. This was really fun, guys. Oh, dang. Oh, I was going to do this really cool magic trick. You guys want to see it? Yeah. All right. I'm going to make myself disappear. Are you ready? Go yeah. for it. This is Larry Charles. Thanks for listening to Game Dev Unchained Podcast. I'm signing off. Good night. This is Brandon Pham. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you, everybody. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.